need him to do a work in our country. The title of my message today is Proud Grace Abusers, Proud Grace Abusers, Perverting Paul. There's a lot of ways that people pervert or misunderstand the writings of Paul. I'm going to show you one way today. Our text, five verses, if you can see it, uh, four verses here. We're going to read from Isaiah 65. Let's begin. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things is in their vessels, which say, stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. Father, we do pray for humble thinking, for clear thinking, to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, Father. And I do pray you'll be with the preaching today. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, I want you to notice the meaning, the main meaning, I believe, here, is that these idolaters, these rebels, they think they're holy. And they don't want to be defiled by anybody that doesn't understand their liberties, their enlightened thinking. However, it could also be saying, don't come over here to our private, hidden fellowship because you're not strong enough. You're not enlightened enough. Really, you're not mature enough to handle this. This is for strong Christians what we're doing here. And we don't want to be a stumbling block to you. We don't want weak people like you to be offended. I want you to notice in the writings of Paul, beginning in chapter 8 to the Corinthians, Paul begins to deal with a subject that they had probably asked him about. And that is whether or not it was proper to eat food, good food, that had been offered to an idol. So Paul says in chapter 8, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Now, you don't want to read this wrong. Paul is saying that knowledge is a danger. But you can't go without knowledge. Nevertheless, when you obtain knowledge, you have to be very careful because with knowledge can come puffing, pride. So he says, one way to humble you, if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. 
So if you had used the light that God has given you, if you had used the time that God had given you, if you have used the opportunities properly that God gave you, you should know a lot more than you know right now. And there's so much more to know that you should know. And so humble yourself when you think you're smart. So knowledge, you need to obtain it. But with that knowledge, you can begin to look down on others, despise others. So the point is to use knowledge. He says charity edifies. We ought to use knowledge for good. To edify, to build them up, to help them. See yourself as a servant to take the knowledge and use it in a humble, godly way to help people. As you grow in knowledge, you ought to grow in the knowledge of your need of grace and mercy. And really, the more... The higher you get in the Lord, the more knowledge, the more light you have, the more you ought to see your sin, uh, the more you realize your need of Him even more. The more you look at your past and say, I'm ashamed for what I used to be and what I have done. And if you think you were wicked in earlier days, if you keep growing in the Lord, it's going to get worse. The shame of your past. We get the folly of what you've done, the time wasted, the pride, all of the things that you walked in, you're going to see it in a greater light. So as you obtain knowledge, there ought to be, if you're open to it, the understanding of your need of God, thanksgiving for His mercy. So he's telling us, okay, you have this knowledge that it's okay to eat food offered unto idols. Most of you there understand this. However, as concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that's not an absolute we, that's most of us know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. If you were walking in the Hong Kong market in Texas and they had this big fat Buddha and there was an apple and they said, hey, they're not going to do this. But if they did, they say, hey, Buddha doesn't want this apple. Would you like to eat it? And they threw you an apple. I would ask, does it have pesticide on it? Is it organic? That's what I'd ask. But nevertheless, because it was offered unto Buddha, I could care less because there's no Buddha there. Buddha's in hell if there's a Buddha. You understand my point. Is It doesn't matter that you offered it to sticks and stones and whatever you did. It doesn't affect the food. That's what Paul is saying. We know that an idol is nothing in the world, that there is none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, uh, but to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all all things, and we by Him. So, guess what? There's only one God, 
Idols don't even exist. There's devils behind them. But these idols don't mean anything. Uh, Sticks and stones. So, so far he has said, we have this knowledge, most of us have this knowledge, that if you offered it to Allah, if you offered it to whatever, I, I don't care what you did, it doesn't affect the meat, it's just your false religion. How be it? There is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour, eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. I had a fellow say to me one day, he goes, oh, we can't eat that meat. Do you know they prayed over it and offered it to Allah? And uh, at first I wanted to say, I don't care what they did to it. I don't care what prayer they did. That's not my prayer. And uh, the meat's fine. But then I realized this brother's conscience, he's very, very serious about this. And, and, and you know, you, you pick your battles and, and, and you deal with people based upon where they're at and the time that you have and, and uh, where they are at in their Christian life. Uh, there are some that believe it's wrong. They don't believe that the idol is nothing. And if they were to eat it, their conscience now is wounded, defiled. They think what they're doing is wrong. And if you said, come on, come on, let's just eat, let's eat, they're guilty now in their conscience. So he says, take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. So he's teaching us that if you know it's lawful to do something, it still doesn't mean it's right to do it because at that particular time around that person, because you got to make sure they're strong enough to do what you're doing, you see. You don't want anybody weak in understanding encouraged to do something when they don't yet understand it. You can be very persuasive, and they might follow you, but they don't really understand it. And so you're getting them to do something that they feel guilty about. And what is that? It teaches them to sear your conscience. It's bad enough since they think it's a sin. But since now they're growing accustomed to denying their conscience, what's it going to do now if they get in the habit of that? You want to be very, very careful trying to persuade people to go against their conscience, you understand. You don't want to get them in the habit of just searing their conscience. You want to try to explain to them why something's right. And if they're not ready to understand that, then you got to be careful in minor things like this. Um, And what if they get led back into the presence of idolatry? What if this person used to be an idolater? And they said, oh, I want to stay away from the market and places like that and food offered unto idols. I used to offer meat unto idols for real. And and I used to believe in these idols. And and this is bringing back a lot of memories. and, And next thing you know, they're ensnared. They're right back into it. You're like, well, what happened to that one young Christian? Oh, they went back into idolatry because some other Christian led them back into it. Even though it was okay to eat the meat, it brought new associations or old associations, and now they are 
back where they started. So he presses this. He says, if any man see thee, now notice these words, if any man see thee which hath knowledge, sit, he means knowledge that it's no big deal to eat the meat. Sit at meat in the idol's temple. Shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? He doesn't really have the understanding. You might be bringing a snare to his life. That's his point. And through thy knowledge, your liberty, your knowledge of your liberty, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. How does he perish? Well, he doesn't perish eternally, but he does go against his conscience. He might go back to idolatry and end up at the judgment seat of Christ in a lot of trouble. God might kill him for going back to idolatry. If you keep going against your conscience, he's doing something that he thinks is sinful because you're emboldening him to do so. And if he keeps going against his conscience, now he's training himself. Just go against my conscience. Where's he going to end up going against your conscience? You need to be sensitive to your conscience. You need to be sensitive. Paul says our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience. Try to get your conscience to have as much light as it possibly can. The candle of the Lord, the spirit of man. But do what you can to not deny your conscience. The written word of God is what matters, but you have to read it, understand it, and apply it to your life through your mind. But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat, good food, make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. So he's saying, listen, if there ever was a situation where I couldn't eat meat without leading somebody into sin, I just won't eat meat, is what he's saying. He's not telling you to be a vegetarian. Uh, you need meat, and uh, praise God. But whatever the food is, his point is flesh meat, if there was no way possible to not offend a brother in Christ and lead him back into idolatry or wound his conscience, he would choose to not eat. And what he's saying is, folks, I want to be loving. I want to help people. I want to help people grow in the Lord. It's not all about what I can get away with, what I can do. It's about growing everybody around you in the Lord. And uh, that's Paul's focus. So, there's an important lesson here that when you ask is something right or wrong to a mature Christian, the answer ought to be it depends. Something could be right, but yet not right at that moment. Something could be right, but not necessarily right around the person you are with as a weak believer. And this is a consideration that you need to ask yourself Am I going to stumble anybody? People sit and argue about, well, it's okay to do this, it's okay to do that. And one consideration is, around who? Everybody's not at the same level in their Christian life. There are some people that are weak. Some might be able to go into a city and go soul winning and hand out tracts. Another person might say, hey, 
it wasn't long ago I was in these bars. I really don't want to. Maybe he does want to go there with the zeal of the Lord and witness against them. But yet all of a sudden you look and you're like, where's so-and-so? Oh, he said he's going to go hand out tracks around the corner. Next thing you know, he's back where he used to be. See, you got to be careful how we use our liberties. Now, he's going to lead to this statement. As we turn to chapter 10, all things are lawful for me. When the Bible says all things, it means all things that are lawful. Paul's not saying fornication is lawful, adultery is lawful, being a drunkard is a lawful thing. No, he means all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. In the context, it means it's lawful for me to eat that steak that's been Somebody prayed to Allah over it or somebody offered it to some idol. It's lawful. However, depending upon who's around me, depending upon where they're at in their Christian life, it might not be expedient to do so. It might not be a edifying thing to do so for that brother. Okay? So now his conclusion, whatsoever is sold in the shambles. That's the market, the butcher shop. The Gentile butcher shop, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. Go buy it. It doesn't matter. It's just meat. You don't got to say, but wait a minute. Can you tell me what kind of prayer you said over this meat? Because I don't want anything touching me and, and following the meat. You know, some people get, young Christians can get very, very superstitious, you know. Uh, he says, don't even ask the question. It's no big deal. Go there, buy the meat and eat it. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, then eat not for his sake that showed it. You see what he's saying? That offends that person. They, they don't understand this. They said, man, they offered that to Buddha. They offered it to Dinah, whoever it might be. And and this is, something's wrong with that meat. Instead of having this big fight and this big debate and this all this, you know what? If you don't understand why that's okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it around you. See? So Paul navigates a delicate balance here. The point in all of this is use your knowledge in the right way for the edification of others. If you think something is a liberty and you know it is and you've proved that it is, use your liberty not to just say, I can do this, I can do this, you stupid Christian. No, use it to edify. Make sure you don't stumble somebody. That's enough to preach on right here because really just this understanding is very, very important to communicate. But I want to go past this today. And that is there is a misunderstanding of everything that Paul has just told us in the Word of God. And especially in these last days, there is a great misunderstanding in regard to what Paul just said. I'm going to show you how this is misused today. You know Paul said in Timothy, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We're in this time right now. What happens when believers get puffed up? 
with some degree of perceived knowledge and they become proud. They then start thinking, I'm better than this person and I'm wiser and and I'm such a knowledgeable Christian. And can you believe these people? They don't understand the liberties that I understand. They think this is wrong, but I know it's right. Uh, I'm such a better person than they are. I'm certainly wiser. Therefore, what happens when you get proud? Pride is darkness coming over you. See, whatever light you just had, you just darkened it by your pride. And you're going to trip and fall. You're headed for trouble. So then they start walking around, you know what? I think this is a liberty because I say so. And I'm always right. I feel, I can just feel it. And you'll see people walk around, they say, I just know it in my heart. Well, did you look in the Bible? Did you get some counsel about this? Did you study it? Did you prove it? No, 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 no. I have discernment of the Holy Ghost. I just know this. I just feel it. I can tell when things are wrong. And I just know this is right. Then they begin. It gets worse. They lead themselves and their families and sometimes others into a secret underground clique. They say, shh, are you one of the enlightened ones? Now listen, we love our church, right? Yeah, we do love our church. Now listen, a lot of folks here don't understand that this is acceptable and okay. We, the Gnostics, I meant we, the uh, enlightened ones, understand that this is okay. So, shh. The rest of that crowd, they're weak Christians. But we understand things that those weak Christians don't. Paul said to be careful with those poor, unenlightened souls. So a whole family can become a secret clique. The family comes and they sit in the pew But they know when they go home, they're doing things that nobody else in that church would approve of. They know that if pastor said he was coming over, hey, 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 put that up, put put it in the room, do do whatever. Well, why, Daddy? Because pastor doesn't understand. We as mature Christians understand. Remember Paul said, don't stumble the weak Christian? We don't want to stumble, pastor. Daddy, why are we hiding this from others? Children, Paul said, there are some that are weak in the faith. They're weak in understanding. We are wise and strong and mature. We can do these things. They can. Daddy, do you mean we're puffed up? No, not puffed up. That's not the wording. I mean, uh, there's things we can do because we know it won't harm us. You know, like TikTok challenges and all that stuff, you know? I mean, like sitting in your room at night, surfing all this social media. What could ever go wrong with mature Christians like us? We are the strong, the knowledgeable ones. Wow, Father. 
We're wiser than our teachers. We're above the warnings. I'm so glad to learn that I should disregard much of what that preacher says when he's rambling and babbling and yelling and hollering and spitting, I'm so glad to know that all of that really doesn't matter because we're the enlightened ones and we can look down on those folks that write him and say they believe it and they're so encouraged about the warnings and we can just look down on all of that and we're going to come to church wherever we're at, whatever fundamental church we're in, and we're going to be that secret little clique that understands our liberty, but the rest of the poor souls are still growing and they don't understand it. Father? Yes? So we are enlightened. Just think. Just think of it, Father. How absurd it is that so many are afraid of the New Age, alien, perverted games and movies and all these trending movements. They think it's somehow hurtful. They're really fools, aren't they, Papa? My child, they mean well. Much of that stuff probably does hurt them. But we are stronger, wiser, more enlightened. So listen, you listen to me good now. When you get around the weak, like your pastor, when you get around the unenlightened, remember I told you to hide what we do. I, I, I mean, make sure you don't stumble them. Paul says, if anybody see you eating in the idol's temple. So make sure nobody sees you. We can do it. Just don't flaunt it. They're not going to understand. We're going to stumble them. So, Father, this entertainment, this freedom to surf anything at any hour of the night, this transgender, effeminate pop stars, the violent games, the immodesty, the pornography, the magic and occult and violent role-playing. So none of this will harm us, Father. I think I'm getting it, Father. It's just like the junk food, isn't it, Father? But in the spiritual realm... This is junk entertainment. Just as you told us our teeth won't rot, that's for everybody else. Our brains will not be inflamed from the rotting teeth. Our bodies will not get diabetes and cancer. Our hormones will not be reversed and scrambled so that our daughters become masculine and the sons effeminate. Wow, Father, we're really like superheroes. We can eat junk food and it doesn't affect us. We can have junk entertainment and it doesn't affect us. We are the enlightened superhero Christians. Nothing hurts us morally, spiritually, or physically. We don't got to be careful about anything. But Daddy, we got to remember what Paul says. Remember the weak. They're not superheroes. We have to be quiet about our liberties, right, Daddy? So we don't offend the stupid. I, I mean the unenlightened. 
Father, can I ask a question? Why are my teeth rotting out? And why is my brother looking more like a girl every day? And why do these so-called enlightened ones like us keep having so many just give up and say, I don't even want to follow the Bible anymore? The father leaves. The brother walks in the room. Hey, sis, I decided that just as we've been raised to think we're smarter than the pastor and those other unenlightened Christians, I just realized you're not going to believe it. I'm smarter than Pop, too. I don't want to offend him, though. So we're going to do some things. I want to show you. But Pop is weak in these areas. Let's hide it from Pop. See, my friends and I, we feel sorry for Pop. We don't want to stumble him, being the poor, unenlightened soul that he is. So we're going to keep all this quiet. And on and on, the cycle goes, lamb after lamb, running off the cliff, like swine with legion in them. Let me tell you something about your liberty that you think you have. You better make sure it's a liberty. Before you go ignore a warning in this word of God, before you ignore something that somebody spent 30 years watching, and as a God-called pastor who knows from the Word of God what he's preaching and knows he's going to stand before God and receive even greater condemnation if he teaches wrong. It doesn't mean that he is your final authority. But I'm going to tell you something. Before you just presumptuously take off running in some area and do something that nobody's doing, and do something that he would rip his shirt if he found out you're doing it, that he'd shake you, yell at you. Before you go do that in your home and think you're smart, maybe you ought to get down on your face and humble yourself and tremble before God and tremble at his word and look at your past and look at the foolishness that you wrought before God had mercy upon you and realize that you are the same or you have the same aptitude to fall into that same foolishness. And maybe you ought to stand up with some sobriety and some carefulness and prove all things before you rush into something and stumble your little ones for which God says that it would be better for you if a millstone were hung about your neck and you're drowned in the depths of the sea that you cause one of these little ones to be offended and stumbled in their Christian life. Paul did not say that because it's okay to eat clean meat with no chemicals or poison that had been offered to some fake idol. He says it's okay to eat that, just don't offend the weak. If you think that meant it's okay to involve yourself in a feminine, androgynous, new age, ungodly, sick violence and all types of things that are out there in that world and you're just to open up your door and let your children do whatever they want in regard to that hellish, ungodly world, you've got a big problem. It says in 2 Peter, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, 
also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. He says, Paul's written unto you about these things. And also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. One of these things is, I believe, Paul writing, Paul's writing that says, you know what? It's a liberty to you, and you're smart, but be careful around those that are unenlightened. People grab that and run with it, and they think whatever they want to do is a liberty, as long as they keep it quiet. Whatever they do in church with their children is fine. When they go home, whatever they do is fine, as long as they keep it quiet and don't stumble the pastor, you see. What a presumptuous, arrogant thing. What in the world got into people's heads? But I'm going to tell you, I'd say the majority of Christians today believe that's what Paul meant. And whatever they're doing right now, whether it's drinking alcohol, whether it's smoking pot, whether it's watching nudity, whether it's watching the most violent gore flicks, whatever they are doing and allowing their children to do, they are using Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8, and 1 Corinthians 10 to justify it. They say, well, I'm sorry this offended you. I'm sorry that you don't understand our liberty. No, I'm sorry you've misunderstood what Paul said. You have taken what Paul said and you have used it to your own destruction. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. It doesn't sound like Peter or Paul wants you to just relax about things. But people get puffed up. They get proud. And really what it is is that flesh speaking. It's that folly, that foolishness, that flesh. And they say, you know what, this is what we want to do. We want to eat trash. We don't care about our health. We want to curse ourselves later for the pleasure and inexpense of the moment. And we want to watch trash on the internet and on our screens. And it's okay. It's not going to hurt us. It's bad, folks. Because people are not only just inventing liberties where there are not liberties... But they're even feeling special because they are the enlightened ones. So it only grows. And then you see them get worse and worse and worse. And that allowance secretly gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that secret life at home begins to be in such a contrast to the ideal that's being preached from the pulpit. And everybody's pretending to walk in. So after a while, it just gets hard to maintain that contrast. And before you know it, they're to the wayside. They're to the wayside. And if you ask them, what happened? They said, I just got tired. I just got tired of feeling guilty. I just got tired of uh, wrestling against it. I just surrendered to it all. And we can sure tell. Just look on Facebook and you'll see. They've surrendered to it. There's no fighting. And I tell you what, it takes a couple of weeks. Their daughter's a lesbian. I show you the stories. A couple of months. What happened in the early churches that misused Paul's warnings is it birthed the Gnostics. The Gnostic meant knowledge, gnosis. 
It birthed new cults of Christians that said we can enjoy the world, even the worldly part of the world, because your body doesn't matter, because we understand that, because we're spiritual and we follow the Spirit and Christ in our hearts, but those poor souls over there in those churches, they're concerned about the body and these things and You know, it doesn't matter how you dress. None of that stuff matters. All that matters is your heart. And they were called Gnostics. And you get years later, John's an old man, and he's on an island, persecuted, been banished to an island. And the Lord gives him the book of Revelation, gives him some letters to send into the churches in Asia Minor. And Paul begins to write from the Lord Jesus Christ, And says, here is what the Lord Jesus Christ says. This you have that you hate. You hate the Nicolaitan doctrine. You hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. See, the Lord Jesus was pleased that folks were standing against these Gnostics, these people that thought. Tertullian began to write. He says, why don't you go to the circus? If you Gnostics think you can do whatever you want and it doesn't matter because you're so smart and we're so uh, unenlightened, why don't you go to the Roman circus then? What's interesting is none of the Gnostics that we know of were even going to the Roman circus. That's how bad it is now. We're sitting down today. You're not even a good Gnostic. You're way beyond the Gnostics. Some of them at least. You bring the stuff right in your living room. You, you, you give a television that's walking around. We used to preach against television, but now you got these little TVs right here and, and, and your kids walking around with one in the middle of the night sitting there. If you ever allowed me to take your teenager and I got him alone, said, son, you ever looked at porn? Yes, sir. When'd you do it, son? A bedroom at night. Your daddy know, son? No. And then the tear comes out of her eyes and says, I don't know if he'd care anyway. He's never whipped me for nothing. Well, you'd be surprised how much I've heard that story. Why don't you wake up? I'm not trying to be mean today, but I tell you, somebody needs to shake you a little bit. In this room and whoever's listening to this message today, somebody needs to shake you a little bit to let you know what time you're living in, to let you know what perverted, pedophile, sick, transgender age you're living in so you know what is out here and you quit thinking that it's all normal. I was in Walmart in Mountain Home recently. I'm just going to cut down through an aisle, and I looked and saw that it was the wine aisle, the alcohol aisle, and it came to me, you know what, been a long time, you're not tempted with that trash, but I said, you know, why even, pres- why even play games, you know what I'm saying, that's the furthest thing that could ever be from my mind, but why even play games, I'm not even going to go down that disgusting aisle, so you turn down another aisle, and then you Pass by the video trash right in the middle. Sick evils right there in plain sight. And as you walk by, 
and you look at some of the DVDs, you say, I just can't believe this. I cannot believe what these people are watching and calling normal. This is normal now. Slasher movies, pornography pretty much. It's all normal now. And that's the big problem. Because you think that because Walmart does it, that that's normal and somehow acceptable to God. As if Walmart is the supreme court of the universe. Let's see if Paul meant to relax in regard to sin and idolatry and evil communication. He did tell you whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But what did he say before these words? Before these words, he said, neither be you idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. It sounds like a lack of seriousness is not what is on Paul's mind at all. Now all these things happen unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Wherefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. As Spurgeon says from this verse, I can stand, there is no danger of my going astray. No, on Christian, with care and caution, on with holy fear and trembling. Let me summarize this danger. We are strong and have knowledge. The important thing is not to be seen by the weaker. If not seen, we can do whatever we want to the glory of God. That's not what the Bible teaches. But that's what's being communicated. What could possibly go wrong? They privately sear their consciences the whole time telling themselves they are the wise ones. I don't want to be your standard. But I do want you to say, When you pick up a video, whatever it might be, DVD, say, does this give glory to God? Have I proven that this gives glory to God before we sit down and watch it? Have I proven that my children are strong enough? Have I proven that I'm strong enough? Or do I think I stand? Our God says, Wherefore come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Why don't you watch it? Because they cuss my Lord Jesus Christ. 
They use Jesus Christ as a cuss word. You think I'm going to sit here and have fellowship with something that just cussed my Lord? They didn't cuss Buddha. They didn't cuss Mother Earth. They didn't cuss Allah or any other false God. They cussed my Lord. Did you see what they did? They did that on purpose. I'm not going to have fellowship with that. Not only that, you want to sit down and watch people be tortured, people slash, people cut. You have to sit there and watch things like that? You're going to sit here and watch fornication? You're going to have fellowship with that? You're going to have fellowship with rebellion, fornication, evil, magic, sorcery? Profanity, blasphemy? How can you have fellowship with God? How can you have the power of God upon your life and your family? Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. Praise God when Jacob got revival and he stood up and said, I want you to change your garments and I want you to get rid of them gods that you got. And praise God, he took their garments and he took them gods. I don't know how they were dressed, but it must have been bad. And he put it in a home, buried it, I believe. And he said, let's go up to the house of God now. Oh, may you cleanse your household of anything that doesn't make you strong physically, of anything that doesn't make you strong spiritually. James says, pure religion, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Not a spot. Not a spot. Don't you lie to me. You can't fool me. I know what's in that trash. And you can sit there and eat popcorn and say, you know what, I wish they hadn't stuck that in there. You can't unsee certain things. You're not meant to look and gaze upon certain things. It defiles you. It puts temptations in there. And stirs them up. It makes provision for the flesh. And it's gone beyond just DVDs and movies. I mean, you got them right here on your phone. You've got games. Every type of new game and every type of video is coming out. All types of new age occult trash. Role playing. Murder. Pretending you're a murderer. I don't know what's got into some people. I really don't. It says in the Old Testament that you're to put a battlement around your roof. They used to have their social gatherings on the roof of their house. And the Holy Ghost said, now here's what I want you to do. You build your little wall around your roof where you hang out in your living room. Because if your neighbor comes over and falls off your roof, it'll be your fault. So you put you up a battlement where they won't fall. People have living rooms now. Is your living room safe for your children? Is their bedroom safe? Is any place safe now? Since they're walking around with their own little porn devices? And their little Facebook church or TikTok church? Instagram church? Don't you think you ought to have a moral battlement? Don't you think you ought to build some protection in your home? 
Will a man stumble his whole house and say, we're wiser than our pastor? We're wiser than these other brothers? We're wiser than the great fundamental leaders of our past? We're wiser than Roloff? We're wiser than these other fundamentalist leaders? We know what we're doing. Maybe you are wiser. But if you are, you'll show it. If you are wiser, you'll show it. You won't do foolish things. See, some things are dangerous enough for the weak and they're true liberties. What if they're false liberties? What kind of stumbling are you doing to somebody? Hey, gore, watching gore is, is a true liberty for us mature ones. No, that's not, that's not it. It's dangerous uh, uh, to even watch movies. That's a liberty maybe if you could find one. But I'm going to tell you something. Watching junk and defilement and evil, how is that a true liberty? What are you doing to your children, man? And I have to have an hour every week, maybe two hours, to try to do what I can to preach that mess off of them. And you're going home and telling them, we're the wise ones. Pastor's foolish. Let's try not to stumble that poor pastor. Quiet. You must think I'm blind. Half the time I think I am in a lot of things. But it does come out. The Lord brings it out. See, Joshua sometimes praying, and the Lord says, get up off your face. There's sin in the camp. Sometimes God has me find it. Sometimes you leave it right under the pew. Do you know every liberty you allow makes the next conviction harder? The next, the next excuse becomes easier? Prove all things. You said, you know what, I think I'm justified in what I'm doing. Okay? Just understand, every time you do it, it gets easier to justify it. It gets easier and easier and easier. Then the excuse gets bigger, and you just keep on going. How sad to be a weak, presumptuous person committing abominations, yet you feel superior. That's what it's come to now. Those that are walking in abominations actually look at you as the weak one. It says in the last days that there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly man, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Sexual temptation. Likewise, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. They despise dominion. They look down on authorities. They speak evil of dignities. That poor pastor, what an idiot he is. My poor father, oh, he just doesn't understand. I'm so smart as a Marxist and a queer. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. They think they're smart, but they're not. This know also, says Paul, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, despisers of those that are good. Those poor souls. Oh, I don't know why they try to 
run from evil and flee idolatry and all this? Don't they know that God doesn't care about these things? Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Don't you think you ought to be careful? Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Don't you think you ought to just tremble a little bit before you rush into hell? Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. I'm just so smart. This stuff doesn't bother me. Proverbs 12, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Oh, Brother George, he was what it, we buried him about 96. And I tell you, he tells that story of his employee up on that pole. And he made me get up a pole one time. So I'm going to tell you, uh, he told that employee, hey, don't touch that thing without a glove. And that fellow looked down at George and says, do you know how long I've been doing this? I know what I'm doing. George shook his head and said, I beg you, don't touch that. And um, he sat there and watched that fellow electrocuted right before him, hanging there on top of that pole. And George just had to say, what, 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 what a stupid fool. How sad that somebody's got to be so wise in their own eyes that they won't listen to somebody with more experience. That's what the Christian life is like. You think you know better. You think none of us have ever been through any of this. We've, we've never watched families. Not much changes, folks. Not much changes. It just gets worse. It just gets worse. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Just woe unto you. Woe unto you when you think you're smart. You don't have to be careful no more. God forbid. If you think it's okay for you to do it, well, I don't understand. How come you think it's okay for your children to do it? I just don't understand. I don't understand. You could watch person after person after person make the same mistake, and you'll stand up and say, we're able to do this, and it's not going to hurt our children. No, the Bible says evil, communication. It says, be not deceived, be not deceived, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, look not at the wine. Don't even look at it. Come not nigh the strange woman's house. Don't even go near her house. Hey, is it wrong to go commit adultery? It's even wrong to go down the road and get close to her house at night like a fool. Make not provision for the flesh. A fool despises his father's instruction. Oh, that's just dad, you know. He's one of those that Paul talks about. We have to hide things from dad for his own good so we don't stumble dad. But he that regards reproof is prudent. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Mother doesn't know what she's talking about. Just assumes you got a good mother. Proverbs 30, there is a generation that curseth their father, does not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes 
and their eyelids are lifted up. Boy, do they think they're something. Oh, do they think they're something. Let's go back to our verse. Now I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thought. You saw what happened to that fella that grabbed that Babylonian garment that God said don't touch? And you saw what happened to Achan? You saw what happened to the whole camp of Israel? Yeah, you're going to get out here and touch something way worse than this fella ever touched. And you think you're going to get away with it. That your home's not going to be cursed. How in the world can you touch something that wasn't even around hardly in Joshua's day. It was so sick and disgusting what's happening now. I don't even think the Canaanites are doing some of what's going on right now in some of these movies. This rebellious people which walks in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. They remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments. That's about right because I tell you, this whole movie crowd today is just full of death. All these sick games, everything. Which eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things in their vessels. Which say, stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. These are smoke in my nose, says God. A fire that burns all the day. Not only are they in irritation, but this is what's going to happen to them, says God. I believe what they could be saying is, don't come over here, you're not strong enough. Opa Commentary says these heathenized Jews claim to be holier than the true servants of Jehovah. That's how it is today. These worldly Christians, they don't look at you and say, I wish I could be holy like that and go to that fundamental church. They say, them poor people, we're so smart to be worldly and smart like we are. We're the enlightened ones. We're the Gnostics, Gnosis. Our Lord says, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. First Peter says, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. Galatians says, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Romans 6, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. My Bible says prove all things. Prove all things. Dear Holy Father, we do pray that you stir up some folks, God, to hear. Lord, I know your spirit can do it, Father. I can't crack this earth, Lord, but you can. You can open hearts, Father. I pray right now, Lord, that you just open some eyes, open some ears, Father. I pray some folks will tremble, will be careful, speak the truth in love, but that we'll, we, we will quit playing around in our Christianity, Lord. We will quit misusing the writings of Paul to our own destruction. I pray you stir up folks that will be careful, watchful, not like the city of Laish, with no magistrate. Thank you for the magistrates you've given us, Lord. Thank you for the watchmen. Thank you for the fathers. Thank you for the mothers. Thank you for the big sisters and big brothers. And sometimes, as in the case of Joseph, the little brothers, Lord. Sometimes little brothers have got to come along and be the watchmen. Oh, Father, I do pray that you'll just help us, God. 
to be purified without spot. And where we have sinned, to confess it, Lord. And break these hard hearts and break up this fallow ground, this hard ground, Lord. And that You'd forgive us. Forgive this church for what they've seen and yet still put their hand to wickedness. What they've heard, what they profess to believe, the destruction in others that they've seen, but still stumble their little ones, Lord. We love You, Lord. We thank You that we're saved in eternity by Your grace, that You just call us to be clean and pure and to use Your strength to walk worthy of You, Lord, unto all pleasing. Cleanse us now, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.